and welcome to Keep the Podcast Alive. Uh, my guest this episode is Chris Hughes. Chris, how are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, Paul. Are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, been a little while since I've had one of these out. Um, Got to be at least a month, six weeks now or so. Um, keen to jump back into it. Um, I put something out over the sort of bank holiday weekend, so I had a, a few... Um, a few people, including yourself, messaged me to come on. So hopefully yeah. we'll get a couple of these out over the next couple of weeks. So, yeah. How you, how you keeping? Yeah, I'm all right. A bit warm, but I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. Enjoying this nice weather. <laughs> we, can't, we can't complain. We'll be complaining no. when it's too cold. Actually. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a week of summer now, isn't it? This? <laughs> Luckily, I'm, I'm off on my holiday on, in July. So I'll all enjoy right. this week and then start off abroad. <laughs> nice. No, oh, that's all right. That's ideal. That. <laughs> Obviously, uh, we got the phonics gig before that. Uh, yeah, it's Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. <sighs> um, so, yourself, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. I know um, you're a uh, singer songwriter, and you've been in um, sort of a band um, for a little while. Tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. I've basically been. Uh, I'm currently. Uh, writing my own uh, lyrics and melodies. I've got a songwriting partner as well who he writes the tunes and then emails them over to me. Um, I go along the lines of the storytelling, uh, if I can, in some cases. Sometimes it's impossible to do that. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's something completely different, and it certainly gets the grey matter going, definitely. <laughs> What sort of uh, what genre of music is it? Is it kind of down the line of stereophonics or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely probably indie Britpop, bordering on rock, really. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's those three genres, really. Awesome, awesome. You did say you were in a cover band at some point, weren't you? I did. I used to be in a covers band, and then pandemic hit, and. Yeah, I just got bored of it. I thought if it's, it's now or never really to write my own songs. Um, so I thought, right, I'll get out whilst I can, whilst the gigging stopped. Um, we're not really rehearsing either. We're just firing ideas to each other via WhatsApp links. And so you kind of think, do you know what? I don't want to do other people's songs anymore. I kind of want to do my own. I've got all of this almost like a back catalogue of lyrics that I just want to put to things. Um, you know, I work in customer service um, and I have done for years and years. So you, you meet all these different people and all these different characters and then you can kind of put a story to each one of those without really talking to them or without really getting to know them that well. You can yeah. kind of put it in your head what you want them to be almost. Um, particularly with uh, when you're writing a song, it's pretty good when it's like that. Yeah, of course. And it's it's almost like, well, uh, Kelly did exactly the same when he wrote Traffic. I think he yeah. had this picture of, you know, this person and all these, I guess, questions, you know, where yeah. are they going? Um, what are they doing kind of thing? So I, I get what you're saying there. Did you, yeah. um, when you were covering, did you do much of the phonics? Uh, we did a, a few. We did the generic uh, Dakota, which I think every covers band pretty much does. So they certainly do in the local It's a favourite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It gets the people going. Um, 
And we actually did um, More Life in a Trump's Vest a couple of times as well, but it was, it didn't really work. It's all, people kind of want to hear the, the well-known songs from every band, really. Um, so we kind of threw a little curveball in with um, Trump's Vest sort of thing, but that didn't really go down as well as I wanted it to, really, because I think it's such an underrated song, that one. It is. I think uh, it is. It is a great song. I think if you if you're doing a gig um, where you're covering different bands all in one gig, mm. unless unless you're a stereophonics fan, you might not know Transfest or like Transfest yeah. that much. I think yeah. so. I can see what you're saying, but it is a bang, and you know it definitely. Um, you know, if you know the song, it definitely gets you bouncing, doesn't it? At the gig, yeah. I kind of wanted to do it because I'm a bit selfish and i wanted to do songs that we enjoyed as a band rather than what the if the audience then liked it then absolutely brilliant but we kind of we're going on stage and we want to don't want to do the generic songs which we don't you know we don't really react to because you hear them a million times and everyone knows them and everyone's bored of them so it's kind of doing songs that it, you enjoy yourself you know and that was you know, Word Gets Around to me is still one of the, the best albums of the past 25 years, really, considering it came from the back end of the period of Oasis, who were absolutely massive. And to actually really be that good, I think, it, and then to have performance and cocktails after as a follow-up is just incredible, really. <clears throat> Yeah, no, yeah, I, I get what you're saying there, um, you know, and and I think, yeah, I've said it multiple times, performance and cocktails certainly put the, the, the phonics on at a different level, but, mm, you yeah. know, w Word Gets Around is still, like you said, one of the best albums of the last sort of 20, 30 years, yeah. um, absolutely. Well, there was um, a thing on Facebook, actually, a couple of years ago, and... You have to pick your top 10 albums over the course of 10 days. I don't know whether you remember that. And one of my albums, I got to the Stereophonics and I suddenly had the choice. I was kind of thinking to myself, well, it could be where it gets around. Or it could be, uh, at the time, I think it's Keep the Village Alive had just come out then. Yeah. And I was toying between the two because they were so similar. It's almost like they'd gone through the rocky period of uh, the language, sex, violence, other, and pulled the pin whatever else they did and then it was kind of they got back to then graffiti on the train was almost like a like a in between the rocky period and then the storytelling period yeah. and to keep the village alive to me was probably the only album they've done since word gets around that you could compare to word gets around with regards to it's not booming guitars it's, it is about kelly jones and how he's portraying people in life really yeah yeah oh, definitely i you know i agree um and i i think um you know you you, you struggle to compare album against album that, that those two are probably the ones like you said you would compare but i think that's what i like they, they're all different yeah you know um you know they, they all contain some songs where you know he, he's he's wrote a story yeah. um they all a lot of them contain you know a a song that kind of 
relates him back to commandment um, yeah. in a way um, you, you've got the different Rocky songs on, on each album, but I think that's what I like, you know, it, it's each album has, you know, four or five, three or four, I guess, um, different types of song. Um, yeah. You know, this latest album. Um, I think it's got, what is it, 15, 15, 16 songs, isn't it? I think there are 16 different songs on there. And I just think it, it portrays their whole career so far. Just, I, I, I've, I can't stop playing it in the car. It's just such a brilliant album because they're all so different. Absolutely. It's on repeat on my car all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I like the fact that on most of the songs you can hear, you know, the influences of all the bands that, you know, mm. on that, that Kelly listened to growing up, you know, ACDC yeah. and stuff. And, you know, I guess he's taken that influence and put it into his own songs. Yeah. Um, and I know some of them are from his early days. You know, um, he, he might have wrote those songs years and years yeah. and years ago, you know, when those type of bands were a massive influence on him. I know he has his own style now, but... Um, we were saying that, yeah, wasn't it? I, I love the, the album. Chris, I think it was on the Chris Moyles show, he said, uh, I think just before the album was released, that he said he just, someone had found, I don't know, a hundred of these songs that he just chucked away, basically, and said and never really saw the light of day, and he actually worked on a lot of them. And he was saying that, um, you know, he rang Javier, the old drummer, and he was just turning around going, actually, I've got this song which you were playing on 10 years ago. We're going to rework it sort of thing. And, I mean, with stuff like Forever, you know, it's a song which had already been a B-side, and yet he's then made it into, uh, you know, an album song now. But the one, the one thing that really surprised me is I went to see him at the O2, uh, back at the start of April and um, I obviously liked all the songs but I was just starting to really listen to them properly and they opened with Do You Feel My Love and it absolutely blew me away that song live I think it's such a brilliant and I'd have never ever have put it as an opener you know but when you hear stuff like Sailor V and stuff and you think that is just a perfect opener and yeah. then when you open them with Do You Feel My Love you kind of think Wow, I never expected that to be an opener song, but it works so perfectly, I think. That's it, yeah. You know, I, I've always enjoyed Celebi as, as an opener. Yeah. I prefer it, you know, uh, Dakota is another one that, yeah. you know, is a perfect opener song. But Celebi for me is the one, you know, especially that, you know, when that guitar goes at the start, yeah. um, you know, it's um, literally everybody goes but just know it, it straight right yeah you know it's the do you feel my love it yeah like you said it, it, it wouldn't be an opener to me i don't think it's it's kind right. of you, normally you want an open with a rocky song wouldn't you but yeah, yeah. it actually worked really well and i heard first time i heard it really them playing it live was on the radio 2 piano room a few weeks before that i thought around about that time anyway and they did a really stripped back, back version of it on with the uh, orchestra. orchestra yeah. And it was just mesmerizing to watch that. I mean, those three songs that they did, I think it was Graffiti on the Train and also, I remember Simple Man, wasn't it, the cover? And just, I was just for 12 minutes, I was just watching this video going, 
wow, that's how, now that is how you do it. Even after 25 years, you've just not lost it at all. But th- that version of Do You Feel My Love was, it was incredible. Yeah, it was, yeah. Completely different it. to the, you know, completely yeah. different to the album version. Yeah. But still incredible in its, in its own way. Yeah. Um, so take me back to your, st- the start of you and Stereophonics. Um, how did you come across um, Stereophonics? Um, I was a teenager in the mid-90s, and it was the Britpop era. So Oasis, I think he just played at Nebworth. And it was the first gig I ever went to, that was, which is an un- unbelievable first gig to go to. Um <laughs> And it was just after that, so I was listening to Radio 1. Uh, John Peel was obviously massive at the time and with bringing in new music and stuff. And I heard a lot of people say, oh, I heard Local Boy or, or uh, Thousand Trees. I actually heard a demo of Looks Like a Chaplain first. And it wasn't necessarily the song that captured me but it was a storytelling because it reminded me so much of Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles uh, with that you know that one person in that one solitary situation and obviously it was before the time of the internet so you couldn't do any research on following up these bands so you had to then wait until the next thing came out and I really I feel I don't it's obviously, I don't regret because I can't help when I was born, but I really wish I'd have been born five or ten years sooner because then I could have gone down to Wales and actually seen them when they were first starting out because I did it with um, this band called Athlete, which started coming around in the early 2000s, and I did it with them when I was about 20. And mm. I was really pleased that I did it, that I saw their progress right through and it's Kasabian and so and I really wish with the stereophonics that have done that thing because by the time performance and cocktails came around, it was obviously the second album. I was then able to go to gigs and stuff like that and travel wherever around the country to go and watch them. Yeah. And amazingly, I and I'll never forget this, the day at the Morpha Stadium gigs, which I went to was the day my sister was born in fact incredibly yeah 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 so i'll always i'll always remember i'll always put i mean stereophonics have been such a huge pinpoint in different parts of my life but yeah that was the one thing that you know she was she was born on the same day as the morpha gigs and uh, i've even got the vhs up in the attic of that gig as well (laughs) Still, I like I like the fact that you still went, even though your sister was born on the same day. I, did, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. But yeah, I didn't know. So I was just like, oh, "I'm off to Wales. See you later." And then it was only the following day when I got back. I was like, "I've got a new sister. Shit. Okay, let's go and visit." That must have been a, one of the best days of your life. It was. It was really weird. Yeah, it was a really weird one. But yeah, because I I knew nothing until the following day. It was so strange. But yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny, but yeah. <laughs> That's mad. I mean, I, I've got a similar thing with my, my daughter. Um, her birthday is bittersweet to me because her birthday is the same day as Stuart Cable died. Oh. So um, it, it's always a weird day for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it is what it's, it is, I guess. Yeah, so, so tragic, wasn't it, that? It's just such yeah. a character more than... 
I mean, he wasn't necessarily the greatest drummer of all time. He was a brilliant, brilliant character, though, I think. It's just... I, I think that's what made him even more... It didn't make him a bad drummer, but I think it's what people liked about him. He was such a likable person, wasn't he? I don't... I've spoken to a lot of people since he's died with regards to uh, the band and stuff, and I've never met anyone that didn't like Stuart Cable's character. He's just such a had such an infectious personality about him. I remember hearing it on the news, and there's not many celebrity deaths where it kind of stops you in your tracks. But that one kind of was like, oh wow, I wasn't expecting that. That was just crazy. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I um. I, I remember it vividly. I was working for um, I was working for Vodafone at the time, and I I I, looked, I think I saw it on BBC News on the internet, and I was like, I need to go home. Yeah, yeah. And I literally I literally had to leave work. I was like, and people were like, what? And I was like, yeah. listen, you just you just don't understand. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like even though. I'd never met him properly. It, it's almost like you lose a friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Know, because he had that, he has that impact on everybody. Yeah, um, yeah that's right. You know, so I, I, was, I, was, was, I was the same when I first heard that he left the band as well. I remember hearing it on the radio that evening. I thought, bloody hell, no, that can't be right. They're best mates and I've been for years. And it's only when. I reheard it on the following news bulletin because I was at work at the time, I was working in a warehouse and they had it on the radio and I had to then wait until the following news bulletin an hour later to actually hear it again. I was like, bloody hell, no, that's that's incredible that he's even done that. And then his obviously yeah. death was just just is beyond words, wasn't it? Because yeah. I think the whole community of the band is just so shell shocked because even though it wasn't in the band anymore, it was still a, a huge part of it, wasn't it? Massive part of it, and it always will be. That's it, and I think, um, you know, it was horrible, um, hearing and reading, mm. you know, the, the back and forth between, um, you know, whether it's him and Kelly or just in the news, you know, mm. that they, you know, they had this falling out and they don't like each other, mm. um, and it kind of. Made up, you know, it? Yeah, and I'm glad they did. And you know, yeah. seeing um, you know, um Kelly at his funeral and how much it you know, he, he did mean to him, yeah. even though they had their you know, they like you'd hear that they had their problems. It was nice to mm. see that, you know, there's no resentment and you know, the song that he wrote for him, um it's just beautiful, wasn't it? That, yeah, absolutely stunning. And even now, when I listen to it, it's still got so much meaning to it. Because I'd, if, funnily enough, I'd actually, um, I was in the studio back in December, and uh, I was writing a couple of songs with my brother, and um, I wanted to. It was my dad had taken his own life back in 2019, so I kind of was still quite raw for me so I wanted to so we'd written this one song it's called Take Me Back which is about living life in a town as a teenager you know back in the mid 90s and then I, the second song we did was quite like quite a, a ballad and I kind of wanted it to be along the lines of the song that he'd written for Stuart Cable 
and even now we've, we're just starting to rehearse it live now because we've got gigs coming up in the summer and even now i'm still thinking that that's the the catalyst of this song basically so even though it means something to me because it's my dad it that that i still remembering where this song actually sprouted roots from so yeah it's, yeah it's um yeah quite uh it's it's not it's it's quite a powerful song i think anyway without it ever being a number one hit and without it ever you know being the best song of all time it it it, will ju- it stops people and that i think is a brilliant songwriter when you can stop people like that that's it and you know it even even if he kept it between him and stewart you know it's, mm. it's we, no one can blame him for that and the fact that you know it it he put it on an album and you're yeah. right you know it's not it it, it was never going to get to number 1 you know right. people I guess it's not a song you would go to listen to unless you knew the story and, and yeah. stuff behind it because it's not a it's not a song the radio would play. I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, it, yeah, I, I, I guess where it's... it's coming from because sometimes as a songwriter you just write these things from quite a selfish point of view because it means something to you. Now, if it means something to other people or they know the backstory, can relate to the backstory, it then starts gaining momentum of how much it means to other people and this is this is kind of what i'm learning from people like kelly jones as a songwriter is you've almost got to be a little bit selfish of what you write about and then if it if it it doesn't mean anything to anyone else it doesn't matter because it's got that meaning to you but then if it does then that's great and people will sing along to it and stuff and that's brilliant and i think because so many people can relate to Stuart Cable as a person, not only as a drummer, they can then automatically see the love that they had between Kelly and Stuart as bandmates, as friends, as well, it's like brothers almost, really. Yeah, yeah. It then kind of means that's it, and you know, and and that's all it needs to be, I guess. Um, You know, and and hopefully, you know, yours yours for your dad will get to see the light of day and and people will relate to that you know um you know because i i guess you know um especially nowadays in terms of you know um people talking about their mental health and stuff it's it's quite uh it probably the most talked about kind of cause of death at the moment and, and the most the most common i guess yeah. So, you know, a lot of people will be able to relate to that. So hopefully, you know, it will see the light of day, your song, and it, it, it could of, have the same impact on people's some people's lives. Yeah, it kind of has. The first one I released on my own um, was along the lines of Some Might Say by Oasis, and it was kind of, I really, really pushed that. But then with this new song miss you it's called it is i kind of don't want to push it because it's so personal to me but if people do pick it up then great but if they don't doesn't matter because it means it's got a meaning to me um so it 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 is one of those that if you yeah if you want to go and listen to it then great but if you don't then you know i'm not going to lose any sleep over it really yeah. yeah, and that's it, you know, and, and like I said, no one would have, you know, 
Elder against Kelly if he did that for the you know the song for Stuart before anyone knew our name. Yeah. Um, you know, you've sent me a couple of links to your YouTube channel, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So what I, what I'll do when I when I put this out on my YouTube channel, um, mm. I'll put those links there so people can oh, go and listen you. to yeah. your um, yeah. listen to your music as well. Yeah. Um. So you said obviously, um, well. Looks like Dublin, your first song. So you, you, you were a fan of the band quite early on. Yeah. Um, what's been your favourite gig that you've been to? I know you said you went to Morpher. Um, Donington Park, because we managed to get free tickets at the very last minute. I, I lived in a town which next time along to Donington. So we knew some friends who owned uh, a farm pretty much opposite Donington Park so they got free tickets for res- they get it for download and stuff like whenever there's something going on there they get free tickets so I remember this one evening we're at a loose end uh, me and a mate so we managed to walk over to this farm which is probably about three miles away that afternoon and we begged this these people we were schoolmates they were and we were turning around going Listen, I know they were into Prodigy and stuff like that. So I said, listen, you don't like the band. Is there any chance we could have the tickets? And they went, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And I turned around and went, oh, go on. Go on. I, 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 when I get paid next week, I'll give you a tenner for them. They went, <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah, you can have them because we're not going to use them. And they never saw that tenner anyway. And we got <laughs> Jobs are good, and yeah. So, it's, and it ended up being on the day of the races, wasn't it? On the that, yeah, yeah, surprisingly. But we weren't weren't expecting that. But that was that was around the time of Jeep, wasn't it? Which was um, still one of my favourite albums of this century so far. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I remember the the cover of the DVD today at the races was yeah the Jeep album, but in red, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. I think I've got it here somewhere in my collection there. I've, I've got it in the attic, the DVD, because I still kind of watch the um, Millennium Stadium gig that was on there as well. Because uh, it was meant to be at Chepstow and Donington, but for some reason they put the Millennium Stadium one on there, I think. I well, if, um, was. Yeah, we spoke about it in the last um, the last podcast um, episode with Andy. Um, yeah, it was something to do with the foot and mouth, but we can't understand right. why. Yeah. You know, a lot. All I think all the um, all the the gig footage was from the Millennium rather than yeah, um, yeah, because it was at the yeah Chepstow Racecourse, wasn't it? I think yeah. so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, ah, there we go. That's yeah, I remember now. But yeah, that was that was probably my favourite gig. And then, funnily enough, actually two days ago, something came up on my memories on Facebook, uh, where we went to the gig at Western Bert Arboretum, which is just down the road from us. So that was three years ago, wasn't it? That that was three years ago since we went to that, and that was that was a really good gig. because yeah, it was it was one of those where they were in between albums, so they kind of played a best of set list Um, so they didn't have to put any new songs in there and everyone knew every single song and I remember about an hour before it started it absolutely pissed it down and we were stood in this field absolutely soaking wet but it's completely worth it (laughs) yeah yeah definitely I mean 
I thought originally it was it was going to piss down this week for the gig this week, but you yeah. know, I I don't know what, what it's been like where you're from, but it's been roasting down here this really? week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to rain on Saturday here, but I'm not sure what it's like in Cardiff. But... It's meant to be beautiful again, but it's a shame they're closing the roof, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, you it know? is. You know, this morning that they're shutting the roof. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame. That's all right. I'm, I'll be watching it from the comfort of my front room on the telly. <laughs> of course, it's on the, it's on the telly, isn't it? I oh, yeah, put it on to record last night. Yeah, I think it's good. They should do... I think they're starting to do that a bit more, aren't they, with BBC with regards to music. So... It's uh, a good good first gig, really, to put on there, isn't it? A massive band yeah. like them and an entertaining band. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, with, with it being a, well, a, you know, a Welsh band in Wales, in Cardiff, in the bigger stadium... It's huge, isn't it? You, that? you know it's going to be yeah. you know, an amazing atmosphere anyway, and, and yeah. that's going to come across on the telly. Um, I just hope always... the big screens, though, that they don't put any of the uh, Wales beating England in the rugby. <laughs> they always do that. They always do it. To be honest, uh, Chris, that normally gets the biggest cheer of the night. That Scott yeah. Gibbs try. <laughs> I um, yeah, I remember I was at Wembley for that game, and I was still. To, I can't can't bring myself to watch it even to this day. I was absolutely devastated. But I tell you something, fair fair play to Wales for that one. <laughs> I can remember it. I don't know. I don't know how old or how long ago that was. I wasn't. I was in my teens, maybe early twenties. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a massive rugby fan, but I'll always remember it. I don't know whether it was the first time Wales beat England in a long, long time. But yes, well, yeah, that, ages, and they won the Five Nations from it as well. I think from that. Yeah, so I think it was by one point when it like 32, 31 or something. I like that. It was a cracking game. Yeah. I just hate. But like, I just I want to see stereophonics and we get all my troubles. I don't want to go and be reminded of them. <laughs> yeah, you start the gig crying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, can only get better from that. <laughs> but no, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to Saturday. To be honest, um, I know I, I said I was going to do. I said I was going to try and go Friday, but yeah. um, you know, this this month has just been a bit of a so busy because I'm going on yeah. holiday at the end of the month. Yeah. I've got the phonics gig. I've got Elton John, like, I don't know, maybe a week later. My Where's daughter that? was eight. That's in uh, Swansea, the Liberty Stadium. Oh, nice. That'd be good. Um, yeah. yeah. And it was my daughter's 18th last week. Really? Are, so mate. it's you just too busy this month. I can't you go to two days. You know I know. I know. I'm an 18 year old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> good, yeah, I'm the, you are. Good though, isn't it? A good, good few weeks for you. That oh, I know, I can't wait. Like, yeah. we'll get Saturday out of the way, Elton John, yeah, and then piss off on my holiday for a week. Nice. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think we were all pissed off at the delay from December, but we couldn't have picked a better week to move it to, especially with this weather now, yeah, exactly. Um, and the fact that Wales have just qualified for the World Cup. So that is yeah. fair play, yeah. yeah <laughs> so the whole of Wales are just on a high. Yeah, yeah, so good, so good. I kind of, I kind of wish that's that's one thing I'd love to do. I've never seen the stereophonics in Cardiff. Obviously, I saw them in Swansea, but I've never seen it, and I'd love to go and see them in Cardiff. Um, so that's that's certainly on my bucket list um, in the future. 
because whenever I've seen it either on telly or then a few days later on YouTube or whatever, it just looks immense. Always, it's it's home homecoming gig, isn't it? Really, so. You know, I, I've said it a long, you know, multiple times. It, it's even though I've never seen the phonics outside of Wales, um, yeah. it's when when they come to Cardiff, it's it's a day out for everyone. You know, they yeah. come from all areas of Wales. Yeah. And the town will town will be rammed from early in the morning. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's, yeah. It's it's as big as a rugby game going on in Cardiff, isn't it? This weekend, I think. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, it'll be massive. Um, yeah. And like I said, with, with this weather, you know, the streets will be packed as well as the pubs. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant for uh, the economy. <laughs> for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the bar owners in Cardiff for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they need need a bit of good luck again. Yeah, it's good. Definitely. Um, to me about. Some of your favourite songs, or, or when you're, I guess when you're trying to write your songs, what, what, where does your inspiration come from? It comes from all different places. I mean, my favourite phonic songs are Graffiti on the Train, for me, uh, Indian Summer, and Fly Like an Eagle. And... It's really weird because Indian Summer, I think, is just a brilliant song. There's no real meaning for me or there's no real link to that song for me. Graffiti on the Train defines songwriting for me. And I heard the back. It wasn't until recently that I heard the backstory of that, that he was like sitting outside his window at home or whatever. And he just saw these kids walking by or whatever. And then he ended up writing a song from that. And it was quite a bittersweet song isn't it it's quite a quite a tragic song in some yeah. respects and then fly like an eagle because it was round it was released around the time that my dad died so that's got meaning to me um but oddly i never apart from really one or two songs off uh the language sex violence other album the one that really sticks out for me from that kind of era is actually um deadhead strangely because it's that though i think it's too rocky for me that kind of era but i i listened to it but deadhead i thought it was such a brilliant song as well and no one really chooses it everyone seems to forget that kind of apart from dakota and stuff like that they kind of forget and superman and stuff they kind of forget those the rest of the songs yeah, yeah, yeah of course and yeah and i mean at the moment is probably right place right time it's just it is a brilliant brilliant song that is and i mean i took took my brother to the o2 gig uh because he only lives about five minutes away so it's a free place to put my head down as well if i want to go (laughs) he'd not really heard the new album and they started playing right place right time and he was just like dumbfounded he was just listening to it going wow this is really good this isn't it he says they've not played a bad song so far and we were like an hour and a half into a two-hour gig he's been not played a bad song so far I went no they haven't and then it was only next day i sent him the link to right place right time and in fact the whole album and he went it's weird because i'm just on the tube going through london he says i'm listening to that song right now so 
yeah, I just, it, it's really weird because my inspiration comes from so many different people and things and places and it doesn't necessarily have to be a life experience for me. So I've done a song which actually hasn't seen the light of day and it's called A Lonely Old Man. And it's basically, I used to work for Tesco Cafe and uh, there was a chap that used to come in. It's an old chap and no one could really understand what he said. I'm not sure whether he'd had a stroke or whatever. I'm not sure. But he always used to bang on about Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and he loved football. And I never really got the backstory to it. I never knew his name, never really got his backstory of who he was, where he was from, whether he was married. And I managed to write this four-minute song about this chap, about how I portrayed his life and how, you know, he, he could have met the Queen, you know, he could have been part of the war he could have played football for England he could have done this and no one ever knew about this guy and it's only since the pandemic's finished that someone actually came in not long ago and saw me and he says oh he says, do you know Jeff's died I know but Jeff and then he explained who this Jeff was and it turns out it's this guy I said I've written a song about him and he died during the pandemic. And I'm so glad that I'd actually put down. And I kind of, then I said to him, listen, I don't want to know about his life because in my head, I've got this vision. He's already got his other life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's basically got this other life that potentially is completely false, but it's how I see him in my life. So it, it's quite a nice thing to write about. And then... There's been other things where, you know, they've, they've had no meaning whatsoever. There's a song I've done called Mr. Independent. And for the life of me, I literally have no idea what this song is about. But I kind of got the guitar out one day and within five minutes I've written, fully written this three and a half minute song. And I was thinking, I don't know what this is about. The words and the melody and stuff were coming out. And to this day, I thought, and I kind of don't want to know what it's about either now, because if we go in to start analysing it, he kind of then loses the magic, really, of these songs. That's it, yeah. You can ruin it. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, there's so many different ways that you can write, but they all come from some kind of snippet of what I've seen in life and what I want to see in life as well, really. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, definitely. And you know, I'll check out. I'm going to check out your music. I know I said this two days ago when we were chatting, but like yeah. I've already told you, I've had such a busy so few busy. weeks. I'm like, yeah. literally, <laughs> haven't sat down. Um, uh, that's all right. You know, I was just, I was just finishing my tea as we came onto this podcast. Literally, yeah. <laughs> picking your um, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so have you, um, have you ever met any of the boys? In any, in any uh, way? Yes, you know, I nearly met Kelly in Wolverhampton and I left the pub literally about three minutes before he walked in and I'd, and my mates were still in there. We'd gone to, I can't remember, we'd gone to some gig at the Civic Hall and um, I'd walked out of this pub in the evening after this gig and I'd walked around the corner and my mates texted me and said, King Kelly Jones has just walked in. I went, Stereophonics Kelly Jones. I went, yeah. I went, fuck. And I was on the train 
I was literally stood at the platform. And my trainer just pulled up, and I, I couldn't miss this train because it's the last train of the night. And I was like, I was so gutted that I wish there was a train an hour later because they just bombed it back to go. Yeah, back. ran back. Wow. Um, yeah, but that's that's probably the closest I've got, really. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah love, love to love to meet all of them. Um, I tried tried sorting it out. My my missus was forty back in November. So I actually spoke to their PA about whether we could surprise her when we go to the, when went to the O2 to actually meet the band, but obviously they weren't doing meeting groups and stuff, which yeah. is a shame. But I can you know I can understand that, and that's fair enough, you know. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, it's definitely one I'd love to meet and just actually chew the fat over songwriting more than anything, really, and get some yeah some inspiration. That's it. It's it's one of those things. Like, what would you say if you did? Um, but I saw. I don't know. I genuinely don't know what I'd say. I'd be like, uh, "Hi." <laughs> yeah. And then you go like a shy teenager. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like Kevin and Perry or Harry Enfield. I'd be like, "Let's be But um, yeah, a couple of uh, was it day yeah, day before yesterday? I think uh, I I was in town shopping and. Um, Maybe only an hour, a couple of hours after I got home, I saw they were in town in Valentino's having a bit of grub. Oh, uh, K- Kelly and Adam. Yeah. I said, like, I was, I, I can't remember the time, but I think my daughter might have just finished work. And I was like, yeah. do me a favor. I was going to tell her to run over to Valentino's and just see if they were still there. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, if I can't meet them, get her getting a selfie. Say, with Kelly be and if she turned around and went, yeah, they're here, they're just leaving. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I would. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I feel. Like, they're there, they're there, they're there a week, so you might have to be a weird stalker and just try and find them. But Cardiff's such a massive place that you'll just not find them, really. I don't think. Um, it's one of those things, you know, unless it pops up on social media where they are, you probably never yeah, find you, them. Yeah, I know, that's right. But I did see they were sat outside Valentino's having having a bit of food. So if you walk yeah. past, you probably could have saw them. Well, I saw I saw earlier actually, just before I come on here, that Adam was up by the river by the uh, stadium on one of the bridges taking a picture. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, my, I know a mate we went to for the Westenburg gig. Um, the day after was at some seaside and actually met Adam uh, at the seaside there. And they asked whether we wanted to go, but we said we, we didn't want to go. We were too knackered. And I wish we bloody had it done now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Was that recently? I saw someone on Facebook met Adam on the beach the other day. No, this was three years ago. This was, but yeah, yeah, I saw that as well. That they met him, yeah, yeah. I don't know where it was, but it was on the beach somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but no, it's just I think it's just sod's law that I think I'm just destined in life never to meet these people <laughs> that actually mean a lot to me. You know, so all these massive songwriters, whether it be Paul McCartney, Noel Gallagher, Kelly Jones, whatever. I don't think I'm just destined to ever meet them, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> you meet one of them in the most random of places. You'll be having a in the in the toilet, having a wee in a public yeah, toilet. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm having uh, in the dentist or something with uh, a numb mouth or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
to start going to that place where Kelly gets his haircut or whatever. Just hanging about there. It's a long way to go for a 15 quid haircut, though, isn't it, really? <laughs> I don't think he pays 15 quid. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think when, um, when, when the guy put on his Instagram that he was cutting Kelly, say, I went on the website and I'm sure it's something like 95 quid. And I'm Look like, now. would I pay 95 quid to have my haircut just to be sat next to Kelly Jones like the as is? Maybe. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably would actually. I'd I'd just even just say no, I just don't take anything off. I'll just sit here. I'll sweep up for a bit if you want, whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Work yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your backstory to it all, really? Um my backstory to it all was I guess I was into been about 13 what was I 13 in night when the when the first album came out in 97 mm. um and I wasn't into a great deal of music you know I I just heard what was on the radio at the time in my house yeah you know I think I can vaguely remember you know M people got a lot of airplay on the radio at that time and horrible wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> um and then you know um I don't know, she'd be out in bingo or whatever. So my dad would have his, I don't know, vinyls or CDs then. But, yeah, you know, he would play his sort of stuff. Like um, Pink Floyd was a bit, you know, my dad used to listen to a lot of Pink Floyd when he when he had control of the music in the house. Nice. So, but, but I was never massively into music. And I think um, I was in school and one of my mates was like, oh, you know, um, Told, told me about this band Stereophonics and I was like mate I'd never heard of them I don't have a clue who you're talking about um, so he told me their backstory where they were from so so my high school I think I was in year 7 or 8 then uh, first couple of years of high school my high school is I don't know I'm going to say two miles it might be three it might be you know four but from Kamaman okay so so really close to to commandment so i was like oh okay so literally just down the road kind of thing i i didn't know where commandment was at that time yeah. because it's you know um, yeah yeah and you know the thing that kelly talks about you know dead end street and you know, there's not much work there that's exactly what it was all through the valley so yeah you know um i've never been to commandment i didn't know where it was you know, from, you know, we really went outside our village. But if we did, it was, you know, one bus every hour that will take you yeah. to Aberdeer Town. Yeah. And you come straight back down to um, to our village, which is a bit further down the valley than Kamaman, Mountain Ash. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd heard of it, but I'd never been to Kamaman. Um, I knew it was really close to, to the school and stuff. Mm. And obviously Aberdeer. Yeah. And then a couple of days later, he brought me in this cassette um, and he was like, have a listen to this. And I listened to it and I had it on repeat um, for days and days and days. And um, I think I was living with my nan at the time and I was playing this cassette and all of a sudden my nan starts singing along to one of the songs. 
<laughs> and I was like, what what on earth is going yeah. on here? Like this this band that I've never heard of, my my nan is singing their songs. <laughs> so basically it turns out one of these songs was um Summertime. Oh which, yeah, okay. Which my nan explained at the time was a really old song. I can't remember who sang the original now. Okay. Um but she was singing it. So she would always say, Oh, Paul, put your cassette on. Yeah. And we'd listen to it together, me and my nan, believe yeah. it or not, you know. Yeah. Um, at the time, my mate told me that it was um, like a bootleg of their upcoming album. Okay. Now, I, I can't remember if it was Word Gets Around or it was uh, Performance and Cocktails. I think it was before Word Gets Around. Yeah. Um, because so I listened to it and it had a lot of the B-sides on there. Oh, um, yeah. Not... Not a lot of songs that actually made the Word Gets Around album. You know, the B-sides, um, you know, Raymond Shop and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, you know, I, I fell in love with the band simply because of, you know, um, the storytelling on that cassette. Um, mm. You know, even things like, um, you know, Raymond Shop, what he said, you know, um, what, what is it? He robs the shop, doesn't he? And, yeah, he goes down right. and then he comes back and he's, he's obviously packed up because of the scarring. Yeah. So yeah. I instantly related that the, the storytelling to kind of my childhood because mm. those type of things are what happens yeah. in, in, in the Cannon Valley. You know, it, it you hear about it all the time. And so did you find more of a link though, because they were basically a local band? And I, th selling... I think so. I think so. I, I don't think. I don't know if I would have kept up the, um, you know, the listening to them and loving them as much as I did if they were from somewhere else. To be honest, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, you know, uh, because, you know, um, local boy, we heard about that in the paper. Yeah. Um, you know. In, in the Cannon Valley, so the, it's called the Cannon Valley. So all the way Aberdeen, yeah. all the way down, is it's called the Cannon Valley or Ronda yeah. Cannon Tap is called now. Um, yeah, well, we had yeah. a, the local newspaper, like every village has, and yeah. the Aberdeen leader or the Cannon Valley leader, and you'd buy it. My mother would buy it like every Wednesday. Yeah, and it would have all the local stories on there. So yeah, the stories that you heard about local boy with Paul Bogus. Yeah. I remember reading that. Um, yeah, but yeah. But it, it would also be where you would, like you said, before the time of the internet, that newspaper would be where you would hear about yeah, what Telephonics were doing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I got into them, really, is, is this bootleg CD of the upcoming album. And yeah. then I remember not long after that, they did Local Boy on Top of the Pops. Yeah, that's how um, I remember that, yeah. Which I think might have been the first time that I'd ever seen them in person, singing on the telly. Yeah. Um, and then, was Traffic in Kamaman before or after that? I can't remember. But they did Traffic live from Glanaman Road in On Top of the Pops. Um, I vaguely remember, but I've... I definitely remember Local Boy being on top of the pops because I, I kind of established a bit of a link with this band, so I kind of wanted to see where they went. So when the 
we're appearing on top of the pop. So I was thinking, bloody hell, this is brilliant. I can finally actually see what they're doing now on the telly rather than just hearing about it on the radio all the time. Yeah. So it's brilliant. It's brilliant for me to obviously live in a bit further away to actually then have that link a bit more with the telly, with them coming on the telly and stuff. That's it, yeah. I don't, like, I don't think it was long after that, um, Cardiff Castle gig was on the telly, I believe. Yes, yeah, Cardiff Castle gig yeah. was on the telly. Yeah. I, I think it was a little while after the gig was played. It's not going to be like Saturday's one, but it's on at the same time as the gig. Yeah. I think this must have been, I don't know, maybe a yeah, month or something yeah. after, after the gig. Yeah. Um, so I remember recording that on cassette, and I think I might still have it somewhere. Yeah. Um, the one that I recorded from the telly, but I have got the one that they released themselves as well on cassette yeah. and DVD. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I've got it somewhere. I'm sure I have. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was listening to the Cardiff Castle one from 98 on um, YouTube the other day. I was. Um, Actually, whenever I have a shower in the morning, I put my phone on, the music on and stuff. And I, that was the gig I was actually listening to. Yeah. Uh, even back then in their infancy, in effect, their infancy, they were just such a brilliant live act, I think. And they don't, I don't yeah. ever think they've had the recognition that they deserve for being such a good live act, personally. I think... The no. that, I mean, I've been to seven or eight phonics gigs and every single time i'm glad i've spent that money and i'm glad i've spent that time to go and watch them it's ne there's never been that gig where i thought oh that was dreadful i've never ever yeah. thought. um no that's it and you know i i say to everyone who, who kind of i'm i'm going to the phonics with my mate on saturday who's not really a fan and he's like, oh, do me, a, do me a playlist of the songs that they're likely to play. Yeah. And I said, first of all, I couldn't predict half the songs they're going to play. I said, you yeah, listen to the popular the ones. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you pick some of the popular ones, Dakota and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I said, the one thing you'll be surprised at is how they sound live and on a CD. It's exactly the same. Exactly the same, yeah. And that takes some doing. I think the only... The only other person that I've really been that impressed with live from listening to CDs was Paul Carrick, who was the lead singer from Mike and the Mechanics back in the day. Okay. And my mum dragged me along to this gig in Leicester five or six years ago. And I didn't kind of didn't really know any of their songs apart from the living years and all the big ones that they'd done. So Yeah. And I went along and I was just blown away with how good he was live and then i kind of thought well the only other band i've ever seen like that who i know would if i stuck a cd on and then stuck a live album on would sound exactly the same would be the stereophonics yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree i mean outside of the stereophonics my probably the best gig i've been to um is the high flying birds noel gallagher yeah, yeah. um he played cardiff castle um 2019 possibly yeah um and i come away from there thinking i was i was buzzing with that like i first of all it, I, was, yeah. I was glad to have seen noel gallagher live yeah um because Did you ever see oasis or not i 
one regret is never seeing Oasis live, and I'm hoping they get right. back together. They they are brilliant live, but they were so inconsistent because of their drugs and getting pissed and stuff like that. You never knew which Liam Gallagher would turn up to sing. Yeah, but I've been to see Noel two or three times since he left the band and I've been really impressed every single time with him every time and he he plays such a mix of songs so you know people go to watch Liam Gallagher now he's solo and expect to hear an Oasis back catalogue yeah whereas with Noel you kind of want to hear his solo stuff as well as a few Oasis songs as well. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the High Flying Birds music, to be honest. Yeah, you I know, I, I love most of their songs. Like, it's yeah. completely different to um, Oasis. Like, I remember Noel doing interviews while he was in Oasis, and, you know, he, he always said he's not a fan of all this, you know, lo- lovey-dovey songs and, and stuff. Yeah. But the High Flying Birds is kind of, he does talk about love, you know, in a few of his songs. He does, yeah. It's like different, it's isn't it? Yeah, it's mellowed, it's mellowed out in his age, old age, yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah, because he's now about 55 now, I reckon. Yeah, Liam's, it won't be far, Liam's, huh? Yeah, Liam's 10 years older than me, so he'll be 50 this year. Yeah. Um, but he, he is such an entertainer as well, I think, that I can... He's one of those people, the same as Kelly, where even in an interview, I could just sit and listen to him for hours. Yeah. And we, do you know, we went to see Rob Bryden in doing his show in Oxford a few weeks ago, well, back in February, actually, now. And again, he's got one of those voices and one of those storytelling voices where I could, I could have sat for six, seven hours just sitting and listening to him. Because yeah. it's just so entertaining. And you've either, I think you've either got it or you haven't, really. Yeah. So people like Rob Bryden and Noel and Kelly Jones and stuff, they're the type of people I could sit and listen to interviews with because you know yeah. what you're going to get. And they are such, they are so brilliant at saying anti- anecdote, anecdotes and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, but no, Noel Gallagher, I think, I think. I kind of be disappointed if him and Liam actually made up and got Oasis back together. I kind of, I think that boat's now sailed and they're both off doing their own thing. Yeah. I kind of think now that it would not benefit Noel in the least to go and do that because he's set no. up his own little thing. And but I think if they did it now, to be honest, I think it would be for the wrong reasons. It would be for money now, I think. But yeah, I, I, I would, I would. I would like it to happen just so I could see them, but I yeah. can see what you're saying. I don't think it would be what people would are expecting it to be if it happened. The problem as well, I think, is this, and this is why I've never gone to see Liam as a solo artist, is you turn up and there's thirty or 40,000 Liam Gallagher's in the crowd, basically. They all dress like him in the daft little bucket hats and the parkers <laughs> and stuff. Whereas you go and see Noel... There's a whole range of age groups. I mean, I took my kids to go and see him in Bristol a few years ago where Paul Weller was on stage with him as well. And, you know, it ranges from everyone from five years old to 70. You know, it's yeah, yeah. an age range. Whereas I saw bits of the Nebworth gig that Liam did, and I just thought, 
it's just 200,000 limbs in the crowd, basically, yeah. is what it is. And it kind of ruins it a little bit for me. Yeah. Well, he's he's playing um, he's playing Cardiff Bay in September. So I'm, I'm going to try okay. to go to that just so, just so I, I can see, say that I've seen them both, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but at, at the um, Cardiff Castle, Noel Gallagher gig, he did say, like, um, <laughs> what did he say? He said something like, uh, looking at the way... Most of you are dressed. You want some Oasis songs? So I think he, he pointed up <laughs> all of the Gallagher's in the crowd. And, yeah. um, <laughs> but it's always so, been yeah. the case. I've done a few times, and every single time I'd be stood with the person either side of me with a bucket hat and a parker on, thinking the Liam Gallagher and singing up like that. And you're there thinking, just yeah, just don't bother, mate. Honestly, you're here to see a gig. But I tell you one gig that I've been to over the last five or ten years which has blown me away and that's going to see Coldplay live whether whether you like their music or not the show they put on is something else I've I've never seen anything like it in my life there you don't necessarily have to like any of their songs it probably helps if you like two or three of them perhaps actually but um I mean, I, I spent 70-odd quid to go and see him at Wembley. Uh, was that 2016, maybe? And it was brilliant. It's such a good show. It was, it, was, it was more of a show than a concert, I'd say. And I kind of prefer that nowadays. And Stereophonics are kind of getting a little bit like that now, where they're actually putting on a show now. Yeah. And it makes it so much more entertaining. I love that kind of thing anyway. Um, but yeah, it was unbelievable the lights and the pyrotechnics and stuff like that. Really, yeah, they do a lot of that, don't they? Coldplay, yeah, you get yeah, these wristband. I, I think I've got a couple of those wristbands in in my drawer somewhere. Yeah. Um, my sister in law went and I she she facetimed me from, from the gig, and you know, yeah. everybody was having a ball. And I think they yeah. had these big, um, luminous bouncy balls floating yeah. on the crowd and stuff. and we're going to see them in August, and I think they're the type of band where they're a sensible person's band, aren't they, Coldplay? Yeah. Whereas, you know, you get Noel Gallagher and the type of people that go are the grown-ups. Now, the, the people that lived through Britpop and are now grown-ups and they've got a wife and kids and stuff like that nowadays. Whereas Stereophonics are kind of... I've found that I've grown up with them, although... You know, they're slightly older than me now. You, you kind of see them evolve, and I think they've got better as they've got older now. And I think they are, I think it's only recently that they've actually hit their peak now, which is after 25 years is incredible. So you kind of think after second or third album, you'd be hitting your peak. But I yeah. think with Kelly's voice now, I think it's the best it's ever been. I agree. But he's had his operation, hasn't he? And he's had to learn to sing again. And yeah, that's fine. But he, yeah, I, I don't think I've sound, uh, he's sounded better than he has at this moment. No, I absolutely agree with you. That last album, um, it is just like you said, the best he's ever sounded, in my opinion. It's the songs as well on that album, as well. So it's kind of having to sing in different ways. And every single one of them, I don't think I've listened to that album well over a hundred times, and there's not been a bad song. Usually, you find albums and you just 
oh, skip that one. I don't like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as well, I also find I grow into albums a lot as well. So I can hear something for the first time and think, yeah, yeah it's all right. So right. I need probably need three or four listens. Yeah. But that one just from the get go, from when I first stuck it on Spotify, I was thinking, that's a good song. Oh, this is yeah. another good song. I, and it just went right through for however long the album is. And yeah. usually if I find that, if I find a like it straight away, after about 15 plays, I'm getting bored of a song here or a song there or whatever. Yeah. But even now, I stuck it on the car earlier and I'm thinking, oh, I'm not bored of any of these songs at all at the moment. You know? but, then, but then I go through stages. I kind of go through stages. So it was not long ago I was listening to the Beatles and I was really into them. And then I'd go out of that stage and then I'd go into oasis or high flying birds or whatever and then it'd be stereophonics and then it'd be kasabian for example so i kind of go through stages of who i'm liking but yeah a bit of a purple patch with the stereophonics at the minute with regards to listening because i'm just i'm not getting sick of them but then i can go back and listen to albums that are you know 15 20 years old like you got to go there to come back album sort of thing i can listen to it and it's kind of refreshing to hear it again even though it's not necessarily their best album, it's quite a depressing album, isn't it? Because he's going through a bit of a bad time. Yeah, yeah. To hear those songs, so things like Maybe Tomorrow, which has been right the way through, or even Madame Helga and Since I Told You It's Over, you can listen to them again. And I kind of think these are really good songs again, but I'm a bit pissed off with that because I listened to, when I first listened to Since I Told You It's Over, I'd never heard the word four-leaf clover in a song, right? So I'd written it down from five or six years previous for these lyrics that I've got. And I first heard this song, I was like, fucking prick, I've got, I've bloody got this on one of my lyrics here, four-leaf clover. And it actually went, since I told you it's over, you've gone one way, I've got my four-leaf clover, or something along those lines. Yeah. It's like, it sounded so similar, but there's no way I could take him to court because there's there's no evidence of this. <laughs> <laughs> he's nicked he's nicked your lyrics. Yeah, yeah, I'm so so annoyed about that, but yeah. <laughs> I I'm I'm the same. I you know, I've been I've been down to Cardiff City Stadium three times this week with Wales games. Yes. Um so Welsh music, the phonics, the manics, and Catatonia yeah. have had an absolute battering in my car, my house, yeah. all all over the last sort of two weeks. It's all I've been yeah. playing. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm in a bit of a patch with them as well. Um, they're literally yeah. on my radio, all, all on my um, car radio all the time. Sign of a good album, though, isn't it? That if you constantly continue to listen to it, I've had albums before that I bought from. HMV or wherever, and I've listened to it. It's showing me age now. But I've listened to it, and I've um, after two plays, I'm just like, yeah, I'm done with this. The singles yeah. they released are great, but the other nine songs on the album are absolutely appalling, really. Yeah, um, yeah. But I never, like I said, I never really found it with stereophonics. But I went, like I said, I went through a stage mid 2005 that kind of that kind of thing over the three albums that were released from there where it was a bit too rocky for me i didn't i didn't necessarily not like the albums but they were just too rocky and i kind of think yeah bring it back a little bit to 
the storytelling and focus on Kelly's voice a little bit more, then you kind of also cut your hair as well. Then it kind of um, will probably make you sound a lot better. (laughs) Um, People like that kind of thing. That's part of their influence. You know, that was the, the rock side of it. Like you said earlier, ACDC and Zeppelin and stuff were all their influences. So you're never going to turn around and please everyone 100% of the time, are you, really? That's it. And, you know, I I can't remember at what point. It was definitely after Jeep um, Mm. um, and maybe the album after. So so when Stuart left the band, I kind of... I kind of broke up with a band as well for a little bit, you know. I, yeah. I had things going on in my life at that time, uh, round about that time, um, you know, the breakup of a long-term relationship. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, you know, my daughter was born. Um, yeah. So I I kind of band as well until, you know, at least for sort of albums before I kind of picked up you know the albums again the CDs yeah. again and started to listen to them and then went back for the albums that I missed and I think you know I don't go back to those albums very often so I, I don't yeah. I don't even have a, a, a very good knowledge of those albums simply because I'm the same, yeah. you know it, it, it's not my favorite time in my life yeah, you know, um, it kind of gets put on the back burner a little bit when you got things like that going on. I was, I was the same where I was moving. I was expecting my first daughter as well. She's now going to be eighteen in January, and I was moving from Leicestershire to Gloucestershire, so it's a huge upheaval. Then you kind of the things like music, which is such an important part of a lot of people's lives, do get put on the back burner because you've got other priorities at the time. And once everything, like you said, once everything settles down, you almost have to go back to them again just to see what you've missed in the first place. And also, as well, you might have missed something quite good. Yeah. And, you know, these these things happen uh, a lot of the time. Life sometimes does get in the way. Um, but I think music in itself, and I've learned this certainly more so over the last 12 months being a songwriter, it's such a, I didn't really, I know it's a huge part of everyone's life, but I didn't realise just how huge a part of everyone's life it is, whether it be you alluding to the M people being on the radio and stuff like that, which, you know, isn't everyone's cup of tea, but if you kind of pinpoint certain songs in, certainly I can in my life as to what I was doing. So someone like Richard Ashcroft, when he first went solo, when he left the Verve, um, you know, I, I, was, I hit a really bad time in my life. I was going through depression and stuff like that. And I can still relate to his first album now because of yeah. that part. And like when my first daughter was born, I can relate it to certain songs, you know, and, you know, my dad and stuff like that. I can relate, relate different things, you know, Britpop here and stuff like that. So Morning Glory uh, was never off. The, we used to have a jukebox at the uh, local youth club and it was never it, it's basically played to death what's the story morning glory there's not i don't think there's a single note in the, that album that i couldn't tell you about because it was just played to death i must have heard that album more than any other album um you know and it's it's getting the same now as so i'm getting older and you can 
kind of your kids are growing up slightly and you listen to people like the stereophonics again they then have a different meaning from when you were a teenager or early 20s or whatever because yeah. you're that grown up your kids are the age you were when you first started listening to the phonics sort of thing yeah. and it kind of has a different meaning then and you go and you introduce them and they've then got a different perception because you're 25 years behind you yeah, yeah, yeah. Word gets around with a completely different set of ears going, wow, where's, you know, where it, it's almost like they've got a different view on it. Um, yeah. Sometimes not a bad thing, but music just obviously evolves so much anyway. But the songs, as I think as Kelly said, the songs, songs remain the same, don't they? <laughs> That's it, yeah. And I think... Um... What you were just saying there about introducing, you know, um, the older stuff to a, not a younger person, but to someone for the first time. When when I um, when I broke up with a band, um, sort of like I said after Jeep, um, I was introduced. So I I because I broke, you know, I come out of a long term relationship and I started um, hanging out with you know a new group of friends. And I started hanging out with um, my mate Ryan, who at, at the time he was in a band, a, um, a little rock band, but he went on to become the drummer for Bloom Road for a Friend. Okay. So, yeah. um, and, he, and he introduced me to, like, I started listening to James Brown and I was like, yeah. I've only ever seen this guy in like Rocky Five or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I was like, what is it, 60s, 70s James Brown? And I was like, this is good stuff. And then we'd go from James Brown to, like, he used to listen to a lot of um, Faith No More. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd never heard of this band, but yeah. I heard of um, uh, Easy Like Sunday Morning, um, yeah. which I don't know if it was their song or they covered it, but um, yeah. we, we listened to a lot of them and completely different to what I was used to. But like you said, you know, you introduce James Brown to someone for the first time and they might have a different yeah, yeah. Opinion or a different way of listening to it. And I think that's what I was, you know, yeah. he, he listened to that all his life. Yeah. But as I was listening for the first time and I was like, this is, this is yeah. good music yeah. kind of yeah. thing. But, um, it's better than some yeah. of the crap that's on the it's, radio at the moment. I'm so, so pleased for people like the stereophonics that can actually bring decent music back to the radio. Because I, I kind of think at the moment, out of all the modern artists, the only one I actually really like is Sam Fender. Um, but apart from that, I'm kind of listening to the radio now thinking it's rubbish. It is absolute yeah. rubbish. So I felt so lucky because I, growing up in the 80s, to start with, when I first started becoming into music, was around the... It was about five or six, just after Live Aid. And it was Dire Straits was the first big band I was really into. And I still absolutely love them even now. I think their guitar music is brilliant. And then after that, I kind of listened to them to death. And then we were so lucky because we had Britpop. And music was such a huge thing. Like it was yeah. the biggest thing in the world at the time. And then... You kind of think after 
the Brit pop, you think, well, where's this going to go? And then stereophonics appear. And you yeah. think, well, actually, we're pretty safe, pretty, pretty safe hands now. And um, it's, yeah, it amazes me because you see the kids now and they're just, we, we were watching a program not long ago on the Britpop era and how, like, Euro 96 and stuff like that and how much yeah, yeah. and stuff. And you had Oasis and New Labour and all that nonsense. And, uh, but it was such a brilliant time to grow up. It was probably, and Noel Gallagher got it right, actually, when he said it was probably the last sort of era before the technology era. It was where you could go yeah. to, uh, I don't know, I've not seen the Nebworth documentary yet, but they were saying, he was looking at it and he was editing it and stuff, and he was saying it was the last gig where no one was stood behind the phone watching it. Yeah. And it and, was... And, yeah. It, it, and it, it, I, I get what he's saying. You know, a lot of yeah. people, they watch gigs through their screen now rather than through their Sorry. eyes kind of thing. Because we went, like, so we went to the O2 back in April and we were right in the top tier and we were right on the side of the stage looking down on Kelly and the lads. And I kind of made it my mission not to get my phone out for the gig because it's so easy to do that and do it and play along and stuff <coughs> and video it and stuff and I kind of think I actually want to live in the moment a little bit I want to listen to actually listen to these songs and you know the listen to the passion and the, the stuff like that, that that Kelly's putting into the effort that he's putting into these songs and yeah. making it a decent show and you know these people around me with their phones out and stuff and you kind of think i kind of feel sorry for you a little bit i mean i've done it don't get me wrong we've done yeah. it and stuff we've all done it you know but it's getting to the point now where i'm thinking actually i just want to if i've spent 50 60 70 quid on a gig ticket i actually want to see the gig i don't want to see it through a screen because i could just switch on youtube or i can switch on the telly sort of thing so yeah. i kind of enjoy it more now and it's ever since Noel Gallagher said it was the last probably the last sort of era where there was no phones and people yeah. in the moment and I'm kind of making it my mission now when you go to these things to actually just leave your phone inside your pocket just watch, yeah. it, watch the gig and I did it I got I got free tickets to go and see Noel play in London he was doing an album launch uh, his last but one album and you work because it was via, I think they were doing a documentary for Apple Music or something. You weren't allowed your phones. You had to put them in these special cases. Yeah. It made the gig experience so much better because people were actually there and watching the gig rather than watching it through an iPhone. iPhone. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It, it, it is. It does happen a lot now. And like I don't, I don't get it always. Like, like you, I've done it. I did it my first, you know, few gigs. And I, I used to do it at the football as well, you know. Yeah, um, yeah well done, it, yeah. But now I'm, I'm kind of, I, I want to watch the gig. But yeah. Saturday, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to record some of it because yeah. um, I don't know if you've seen any of the previous episodes. I, I used to go with my dad quite a bit. Um, and he wanted to come to this one, but unfortunately, he's going to be in a hospital yeah, on Saturday, so he'll yeah. watch it on the telly. Yeah, but I'm gonna make sure I either record some of it and send it to him, or maybe FaceTime him while he's yeah, in hospital yeah. while I'm there. J 
just a though, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, rather than especially like because a lot of people do. A lot yeah, of people do. If, if he was in hospital, he'd be there, there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, so Chris, um, we're just about coming to the end. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you from five down to two, or we're down to one, but we'll play your number one at the end of the podcast, your top five stereophonic songs. Okay. Right, so number five would be Deadhead. Number four would be Goldfish Bowl. Okay. Number three would be maybe tomorrow, just for the live aspect. Yeah. Number two would be right place, right time. Okay. And number and one. Number one. Why? Graffiti on the train. Okay. Storytelling is out of this world. Just for the story. I love the story in it. It's and the melody, and I think when they play it live as well. They, they they play it perfectly every time, and it just it's brilliant. Yeah, it starts off really when they play it live, like really kind of quiet and mellow yeah, before they kick it, into it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that song live actually. Yeah. Um, so it, that's the song we're going to play you out to, is it? Nice. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> amazing, amazing, great choice. Yeah. Um, Chris, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you very much for coming on, mate, and giving me your time. Yeah, thanks. Um, and keep in touch. Like I said, I'll put your YouTube links into um, the comments on on my YouTube channel when this goes out. Um, hopefully, people can watch it and and get in touch with yourself as well. Yeah, nice, brilliant. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for your time, mate. Have a good weekend, mate. Enjoy the gig on the yeah, telly. Cardiff. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Chris. See you, mate. Bye, mate.
and dust her face and makeup Platform, she hears the people whisper Someone died, the surf, the train has slipped up Train comes, the coach she's always used to The dolls read, marry me, I love you Heart stops, ecstatic and suspicious She makes the call, but he don't pick the phone up The train sped down the line It was the last train he would ride, oh no